We have in every society there's rites of passage that have some ritual. You graduate from school, you get married, or in every religion there's like a there's something, there's like a bar mitzvah or a confirmation or a baptism or something. So those are all kinds of some stars. So no some stars are the twice born. Then we have uh, vaso, which relates to vasa, which means to reside. And the next word is guru. So not living with the guru. Then tapa means Aster, right? Okay. Now, Atma Mimamsa. So, what does Mimamsa mean? Actually, it's hermeneutics. So, Natma Mimamsa. They haven't studied the hermeneutics of the self. Okay. Nasocham. What does Socham mean? Purity. Purity, cleanliness. And especially ritualistic cleanliness. Any of you who have been to India, you've noticed that many, in many ways India is a very dirty place, but people will often be ritualistically clean, yeah? yeah. Okay. And Kriya means? Practice. Practice or activities. Shiva. Uh, auspicious. Auspicious, no auspicious. But let's go, can we scroll down a little bit? Arsh, can we scroll down because it's two verses together. Okay, then we have Uttama Sloke, so what does that mean? The Lord who is glorified by fine poetry. Krishna is Krishna, of course. Then we have this word again, Yogeshwar Ishwari. Right? When did we have this word before? Some verses back. Yeah, you were talking about it, and that was in relationship to? Krishna being the master of the master of the yogis. Yeah, but which Leela was in? Remember? You gave class. I know, I can't remember. You can't remember. This was in regard to stealing the clothes of the gopis that Krishna knew their desires. So we have here, Uttama Sloki is the name for Krishna. Krishna is obviously Krishna, Yogeshwar Ishray. Then Bhaktir Dridha. What does Dridha mean? Vow. A vow, something very fixed, to be fixed. So Bhakti Dridha, fixed Bhakti. Right? So we have that there's a contrast here between verse 43 and 44. Okay, let's scroll back up to 43. <laughs> Tapunatmanimamsam Samskara di matamapi. There is not. Asam under part. Vijati samskara. The purificatory rituals pertain to the twice born classes of society. 
that of their association with the ladies of Vrindavan, the flower ladies, and so on, who were declaring the beauty and qualities of Krishna, is not mentioned by them, the brahmanas, because they were not aware of this, such as the idea of Sri So the brahmanas are saying, the only reason is Yogeshwara Ishwara, and we he knows what the, we don't know what the reason is. We don't understand what the cause of their devotion is. And I want to look, um, just read a part of Jiva Goswami's commentary. The, the Ramana say the bhakti of the women was firm so that we could not prevent him. They emphasized that astonishment by saying the opposite. We did all these things and had no devotion. All those items are not causes of bhakti. They could not guess that association with their wives who had devotion was the cause of their devotion. So the Brahmanas couldn't understand that because of their association with their own wives that they were able to have even this much insight. And then... Uh, just a little piece of Sanatana Goswami's tika, where he just ends with, the wives have fixed bhakti, and we, the brahmanas, do not even have fickle bhakti. So here we're looking at, at several really important things, but the main point here is that the only cause of love is love. That, that may sound kind of silly and tautology and, and trite, but, but that is what Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur explains in Madhurya Kadamani. The only cause of bhakti is bhakti. The only cause of love is love. Now, the Vedas do give a long, slow road. You know, sometimes instead of taking the highway, you want to take the scenic route, right? Isn't it? Sometimes the, the GPS gives you a choice. You can take the long, slow, scenic route. It's described in the Bhagavatam that perfected souls, they don't have to go right back to God, they can take a tour of all the planets. You know, stop by each planet and check it out on their way back to God, taking birth one after another. So that's given in the Vedas. I think something that's very important for us to understand is there a hierarchy of Shastras. Some Vedic Shastras are for those in Tamagun, some are for those in Rajagun, some are for those in Sattvagun. The Vedic religion is all-encompassing. You know, the Abrahamic religions tend to be very narrow. Everybody has to just do this. The Vedic religion is very broad. So there are Shastras that give this long, slow road. You can take birth as a Shudra woman, then a Shudra man, then a Vaishya woman, then a Vaishya man, then a Satya woman, then a Satya man, then a Brahman woman, then a Brahman man, and then you can go to the heavenly planets, and then you can go to the planets of the Prajapatis, and then you can go to the planets of the four Kumaras, and then you can go to the Brahma's planet, and then, you know, it's this long, slow road to perfection. And even in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is giving different paths, right? Like in chapter 12, when Arjuna, hmm? 
In chapter 12, when Arjuna says, what's better? And Krishna says, Vaisho Dika Tarashtisham, Yes, there's a path other than bhakti. You can take the yoga ladder, you can be in Varnashram, and you're perfect in Varnashram, and then you can do karma yoga, and then from karma yoga you can go to jnana yoga, from jnana yoga you can go to jnana yoga, and from there you can go to bhakti yoga, and bhagunam janmanam and It's a long, hard road that Krishna doesn't recommend, but it's there. There's instructions for all these different paths. Because not everybody's going to take up bhakti from the beginning. That's just the reality of the situation. So there's different paths. And Prabhupada says, do you want to take the stairs or do you want to take the elevator? And sometimes when I take a walk, which I take for exercise, people, devotees will see me walking and they're driving by and they stop, do you want to ride? You know, they're assuming, why would I want to walk if I could take a car? So those who are intelligent understand why walk up all the stairs when you could take an elevator. Unless you're walking up the stairs for exercise, that's not... Like my, my godbrother Dravida, he walks up stairs for exercise. And he, he's telling the assistant for walking up, he walks up, some, up and down so many times every day. And for the way he keeps track of what number he's at is by verses, because you know, he likes to sing verses, by verses that have that number in it. So, like chapter something, text 12, and that's the 12th time he walks up the stairs. So, you know, we might walk up the stairs for exercise, but if we're trying to get someplace, we take the elevator. I'm walking for exercise, I'm not walking to, to go somewhere. If I want to go someplace, I'm going to take a car. You know, I might take the scenic route because I want to see the ocean, and I want to see the forest, and I want to see the deer. But if I want to go to a destination, then I take the highway. So this path the Brahmins are talking about is this long, slow you do these samskaras and you do this ritual purity. I mean, I have a good friend who was brought up in a smart Brahmin household and she was telling me all these purificatory rituals. Like if you, if you sit or lie down on your bed, you have to bathe and change all your clothes. Unless you put a wool cover on your bed and then you don't. And so things like that. Or like, when can you... Take your laundry, when can you do your laundry? You know, if, you're, if you're touching your dirty laundry, then you're dirty. Yeah. Then you have to bathe after you do your laundry. You know, I remember bathing in, in the traditional society. Maybe you had to walk to the river. You didn't just pop in a shower that was attached to your room. You know, you had to walk down to the river, bathe in the river. Or you have to carry water from the river or carry water from the well in your head or something like that to so, all these, so this is a long, slow road. We're going to do austerities. We're going to have all these samskaras. And blah, 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 blah. And then maybe we'll come to bhakti. 
Maybe we'll get liberation. But you know what? The Brahmanas are wrong. Those things are not the cause of bhakti. If you do them and do them alone, shama evikhi alone, it doesn't work. Even things that we consider to be bhakti itself, if done without bhakti, don't lead to bhakti. There was this, um, what's his name, Ram Das Vilas or something. I don't have time to look at his name. He traveled with Raghunath Bhakti Goswami. He carried Raghunath Bhakti Goswami's suitcases. He was constantly chanting the name of Ram. And when he came to Jagannath Puri, Lord Chaitanya ignored him. Because he's chanting the name of Ram, thinking, I am Ram, I am Ram, I am Ram. And so his chanting of the holy name didn't purify him. Even his service to a pure devotee didn't purify him. Interesting, isn't it? Bhakti Vinod, Bhakti Santa Shilpa, they all say we can chant the name just as the alphabet. We're warned against professional hearing the Bhagavatam from professional reciters. You know, people who have the, the religion is just their business. I remember reading about this Christian who became an atheist, and once he became an atheist, he'd been a Christian preacher, big Christian preacher. And he's like, how am I going to maintain myself now that I've become an atheist? And his wife said, well, you're really just a professional Christian, now just become a professional atheist. <laughs> so he started preaching atheism and making his money that way. So we're warned not to hear the scriptures from people like that. It's the Bhagavatam. It's the Bhagavatam. But if spoken by people doing it as a business who don't believe in it, then it's compared to what? Milk touched by the lips of a snake. So even things that we consider core practices, or the saying, don't use the Shalagashiva to crack nuts, meaning people who worship the deity just to collect donations. They have some deity in a temple just to collect donations. There's no love. So the Brahmanas are wrong. And in fact, they're saying at the very end here, it, it didn't work at the end of 44. Yeah, samsara, adhima, it, it didn't work for us, all these samsaras. They didn't give us sati. We thought they would. We thought they'd give us liberation. We thought that they'd give us enlightenment. Our wives have attained enlightenment, the highest form of enlightenment, without doing any of these and we've done all of them, and we didn't get anyone. Now, this is a very difficult thing to understand. And if we look at the 11th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, so we have, this is really mysterious. It, it's always intrigued me. So we have text 48, where Krishna's talking about the universal form. He says, neither by studying the Vedas, nor by performing sacrifices, nor by charity, nor by pious activities, nor by severe penance, it sounds like this list, right? Can I be seen in this form in a material world? Then we go down, and now he's um, showing his, his forearm form, and he says again about that form. 
The form you are seeing with your transcendental eyes cannot be understood simply by studying the Vedas, nor by undergoing serious penances, nor by charity, nor by worship. It is not by these means that one can see me as I am. And there Krishna's talking about the Bhagavan form. Now, if you go into the purport of the next verse, text 54, Srila Prabhupada talks about doing all of these things in bhakti. Studying Vedas in bhakti. Observing the Kadasi, which is what he calls for severe penances. Observing the Kadasi and other festivals in bhakti. Giving charity to the Brahmanas, worshipping the deity. Isn't that interesting? Krishna has two verses almost right in a row. In this 11th chapter, you can't find me by those things. Right? And then Prabhupada in the purport to the next verse says, yeah, you can do all those things in bhakti. You're kind of scratching your head. Well, I thought Krishna just said that they don't work. Right in the last verse, uh, he says that uh, only those who actually are fully devoted to me, they can see. So what is the cause of bhakti? So here in Brahmanas, we're bewildered. We don't understand how they got this Bhakti Jagat, this firm bhakti to Krishna. They didn't know that their wives associated with the flower ladies of Vrindavan. I guess the flower ladies came to bring them flowers for their yogis and stuff. Oh, did you hear about Nanda's son? And, you know, just like we talk about gossip, right? Oh, do you know who got married? Do you know who got divorced? Do you know who did this? Do you know who did that? Oh, I heard this person did that, and that person did this, and this person did that. Whether it's political gossip or celebrity gossip or, you know, sports people gossip or gossip about the other devotees in this time. Right? So, but in Vrindavan, when they're gossiping, they're gossiping about Krishna. And so the Brahmanas ladies heard this. Oh, did you know Krishna did? Did you know what Balaram did? And I'm Krishna. And they became attracted. So the cause of bhakti, Rupa Goswami explains, is a taste, is an attraction. Then that should be like a duh. What's the cause of love? I don't know. Inexplicable attraction. Isn't it? We've all loved somebody or we love somebody. Present tense or past tense, I assume. Everybody's loved somebody in their life. At least your mother when you were a baby, I hope. Somebody, you know, maybe a really abusive mother. But, you know, we have love for somebody. Where does that come from? We're attracted to them. We find them fascinating. We can't imagine life without them. They seem to complete us. We're interested in them. And what's the cause of that? Well, that exists in the soul. It's already there. Rupa Goswami says that it, it doesn't really have any cause, it's in the soul. And generally, what awakens that is the association of someone else who has love for Krishna. Associating with someone whose love for Krishna is awakened awakens that internal love in us. That is the only cause for bhakti. There is no other cause. All right, well, what about all the things that we do? 
What about chanting Hare Krishna? What about listening to deed? What about hearing the Bhagavatam? Those are expressions of bhakti. If I love someone, I talk about them. I say their name. I want to hear about them. I want to give things to them. I want to tell other people about them, isn't it? I like to talk about the people that I love. I like to glorify them. Now, if you don't happen to love the same people, you'll find it boring. One time I was at, at some, there was some big seminars going on, and for some time the speakers were there. And Jayakrishnaswami um, and I were, were showing each other pictures of our Govardhan Shilas. And we were joking, you know, most people were sharing pictures of their grandchildren and we were sharing pictures of our deeds. But this is just natural. Now, please listen very carefully. It's bhakti starts with an initial attraction. That's what it starts with. Always. Then these things are expressions of that attachment. And those expressions deepen the attachment. Because I have some little attraction for Krishna, I chant his name. As I chant his name, that deepens my attachment. So we can say, chanting his name, reading the shastras is the cause, but it's it's like if I love you and I hear about you, my hearing about you increases my love for you. But if I hear about you and I have no attraction for you, it doesn't do anything. You know, we're in a super group talked about how when you uh, met up with the traveling party of Timah Krishnamars and Vishnamars, and they would, and we kirtan, give a little class, then hand out prasadam, and then they talk to people who were there. And Ravinda Sukhru asked Samakrishmars, how do you decide who to talk to? And he said, well, I go around and I say to people, do you like the music? Do you like the class? Do you like the food? And they go, yeah, it was all right. Then they go to the next person. And they go, wow, it was amazing. Then I sit and talk. Some tapes. Shiva Prabhupada just like in his purport to 1154, gave all these things that the Brahmins list to all of his disciples. Not as ritualistic, slow road, varnashram, yoga ladder ways to achieve bhakti. Which looks at things like what family were you born in? Did they do all the sanskaras? He gave them to everyone as expressions of bhakti that would then build bhakti. Prabhupada did not give us these dvija sanskaras and the tapaha and the atmanimamsa as ways, as ritualistic, mechanical ways to invoke bhakti is in some sort of slow, mechanical, varnashram system that only works if you meet a pure devotee anyway. Without a little touch of bhakti, you know, they don't even work. Which is what happened to the brahmanas, wasn't it? They were doing all these things and it wasn't working. That's not why Kampa gave us these things. He gave us these things as expressions of. 
which then grow our bhakti. When we chant our, our Gayatri mantras, we're meditating on Krishna. We're expressing our bhakti for Krishna. When we're chanting our Krishna mantra, we're meditating on the beautiful forms of Radhagalokananda. We're meditating on Govardhan Hill. We're meditating on the Lilas. When we're reading the Bhagavatam, we're thinking, wow, how wonderful Krishna is, Uttama Sloka, Yogeshwar Ishwar, that he can arrange for us. So this is what Srila Prabhupada gave us. Prabhupada came to the West and we encountered him, and in encountering Srila Prabhupada who had bhakti, that's what awakened our bhakti. And we're doing all these things out of some taste, out of some affection, out of some attraction, out of some love. When I was a little girl, we used to um, have these traditional Jewish stories about the fools of Helmut. There was a story that when the fools were being distributed all over the world, there was an angel carrying a bag of fools and the bag ripped on a tree and all the fools fell in one village. And so there were all these stories about foolish people, like moral tales. Anyway, one of my favorite stories of you know, we used to have a book in the Guru Library. So they were building a water mill in a river at the base of a mountain. And the mountain was full of trees. They went around, they cut trees, they carried these big logs down the mountain to build their water mill. And then someone said, you know, it would have been easier to roll the logs down the hill. So they carried the logs back up and they rolled them down the hill. So there are sometimes even members of this time that when they read about this long, slow road and going through the yoga ladder and all these births and materialistic varnashram, we've already got our logs at the bottom of the hill. We don't need to go back up the hill and bring them down again. We don't need to go to some mechanistic, ritualistic part of the Vedas for those who want the long, slow route, thinking that that way we're going to establish Vedic society. What we need to do is engage in bhakti. Thank you. Questions, comments, additions, subtractions. Yes, Marsh. Uh, there's two verses in, in this regard. Uh, one is a whole bunch of swap at And the other one is from under Brahmate, from the you know, how one gets devotional service. Yes. Thank you. So for those who couldn't hear Marsh was quoting the verse uh, that Devamuti says that you see that those who have taken up bhakti have already performed all these rituals and then That after wandering through all the universe, we get bhakti by the grace of Guru. Thank you. Yeah, and then also I want to just mention in regard to uh, Krishna Nama, who wasn't really expert in, you know, we had a ceremony last night. Right. Uh, wasn't expert in all these Vedic rituals and everything like that, because he had devotion for the holy names and devotion for Vaishnavas and everything. Now, not for his group, but, but, <laughs> but yeah. But, but anyway, because he had devotion, he achieved Krishna consciousness. 
You know, there's a perfect example of your know, principle that you were talking about. Yeah, Mars is giving the example of Krishnamurti who recently departed this world. I was thinking about Jayananda. You know, when Prabhupada was sitting in the Gayatri Mantra, he couldn't pronounce the Sanskrit properly. And, you know, he was taking out the garbage and building the theatric cards and buying the boga and driving a taxi. But Prabhupada had to celebrate his disappearance day, like, like we said, like any other Vaishnava saint. And he was so elevated in bhakti, he would visit the temple and they'd say, wow, if you're garbage man of this blissful, just imagine everybody else. Right, very similar to the, the passing of Narajanasakura and the pot sellers and like that. So that's the that's what we're aiming for. We're we're already on the top floor of the building. <laughs> you know, we're we're are we're already there. We don't need to say, well, it would have been better to do it this way on a long, slow road. And it's just not even true. All glories to Shri Prabhupada. All glories to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. All glories to Shri Bhagavatam. Yeah.